This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm here with Stefan and James. I'm your host, Neil Murray. How are you doing, guys? I'm bitten all over. You're bitten all over. Yeah. Midges? Midges. I Midges. went swimming in Loch Lomond last night. Well, yesterday, not in the middle of the night. Well, why would you go to their home, though? That's that's their home. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I had midge repellent on, and I thought... Really? I, I thought, I didn't feel anything, and then I woke up this morning, and my legs are covered in them. By the way, they're nasty. Yeah, <laughs> so... Those are like the genetically modified midges. Yeah, that's, that's troubling. Yeah, to be fair, it's like kind of prime midge weather, that kind of pure sticky heat. I should have known better. I should have known better. How about you, James? Are you biteless? I am biteless, I think. Excellent. Um, but mostly because I've not really seen much of the sunny weather, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Working? Yeah. Lovely. I mean, <laughs> see how lucky you are? See how lucky you are. <laughs> don't know how uh, good you've got it. I know, don't know how good you've got it. I, uh, I tried to enjoy it and then just fell asleep. So, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to press on because we have got a lot to talk about on this week's episode. So as you'll remember, if you tuned in last week or listened to last week's episode, we are doing a three-part series on our Scottish Premiership Team of the Year. Last week we started with goalkeeper and defence. The reaction was mixed. Is that fair to say? Online, on Twitter? Uh, I think mostly positive. Yeah, I think some so. people may be a bit peeved. That uh, yeah, I don't think my decision to include Bayata was particularly popular. I mean, I think mine to include... Uh, I mean, it was, you, was it you who said you want Tierney in the team? I didn't have two in my team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I think this week uh, we're going to. F- I say I think this week. I know this week we're going to focus on midfield. Uh, for you, those of you who haven't listened to the defensive and goalkeeping one, first of all, go and listen to it. Second of all, uh, we said last week we're doing a four-three-three pr- pr- formation, so uh, we'll be choosing three midfielders this week, and then next week's episode we'll be choosing our, our three attackers. So I guess we should just kind of jump straight into it. Uh, James, I think you went first last week. Might be completely wrong. I can't even remember week to week, but I think you did. So we're going to start with Stefan. Stefan, I'm going to leave your first pick. I know there'll probably be some overlap here between us. There's probably an obvious choice. We could maybe start with that and get out of the way. or Yeah. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you dive in, though. Yeah, so my first choice is Scott Brown. Do we all have him our team then, yeah? Yes. Cool. I mean, I was actually intrigued when we got to the end of the season to kind of look at his stats because I kind of, I was a wee bit, well, not worried, but I was intrigued to see whether uh, the stats kind of kept up with the kind of... Um, the narrative and the you know the 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 myth not the myth the ethos kind of around Scott Brown as you know the leader and Celtic legend and how important he is to the team and I wondered if that translated over stats and it and it does actually quite well um you know he's played more minutes than I think anyone in the league which is kind of crazy when you think about how old he is and how he's saying he has to like give up international football. Mm-hmm. Um, to continue doing it at level it kind of shows the kind of high bar that he holds himself to that a player who's played more league minutes than anyone in the league is the one saying I need to cut back in certain things you know but it shows his commitment to Celtic um, he made more passes than anyone in the league as well but he also had an accuracy level of 93.41% which is also the best league so he's not only making more passes than anyone else but he's also making more uh, accurate ones and you know those aren't really just kind of sideways Barry Ferguson passes either. We're talking... Um, <laughs> a disservice to Barry Ferguson there, but fair enough. Well, he was always famous for making it. I know, yeah. I know, it's a joke, fine. Um, but 
I think the important thing is he's in the top ten in the league for interceptions and passes into the final mm. third. So he's not just a midfield. He's not just a midfielder who makes easy passes. Uh, that kind of metronome that he kind of gets uh, pegged as. He does make a lot of important passes, contributions to Celtic's attack and defence. Um, and if you want to take a step back from the stats, it's quite obvious why. You know, he's, he's had another superb season with Scotland. Uh, I think, James, you wrote a piece saying why he should be Player of the Year yeah. before he was officially crowned Player of the Year. Or maybe it was after, I can't remember. Um, and I think I think he's probably one of the, the most obvious ones on all of our teams. James. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see how you could leave him out. Uh, yeah, for me, he was player of the season, and yeah, obviously he was voted player of the season as well, and I think rightly so. Uh, I think one aspect of his game, though, that's sort of that has changed, particularly over the last year or so, is his disciplinary record as well. Mm. Where you know he's not been sent off in any competition in over a year, I think now, which you know, <laughs> given his reputation. This is quite hot-headed. Mm. Uh, I think you'd be, you'd be forgiven as well, like for thinking that he still is, because he is obviously he's not lost aggression. He's just kind of channeled it in the right way. Yeah, I think that's down to Rogers. You mm. know, I think you know, like that's where he's really managed to get the best out of Brown. Is he has to focus on that aggression and controlling it. Uh, I mean, like even this season, he's only had eight bookings in the league, which okay, it's not great, but I mean, for the role he's performing in, and with the, again, with the aggression that he plays and the intensity level that he plays at. Eight bookings isn't bad, and again, 100%. and again, it's much, much better than his previous. Well, yeah, and well. we've also seen him this season. Whenever he does get in crazy challenges, he tends to walk off smiling. Like I think of like the, the an Aberdeen game, yeah. you know, when he used to. He's always had that aspect of his personality, but he used to always have the short fuse as well. Mm. And it feels as though he's maybe he's just matured. He's got a couple of kids now. Maybe he's found himself. Yeah, and he doesn't seem. He still is a cheeky guy. Don't get me wrong. Mm. And you can see when he does the press conferences, he's just looking for a way to wind someone up. But um, I totally agree with you. I think that's a, that's a probably underappreciated actually aspect. I think as well when you look at someone like, for example, and obviously it may be an extreme example, but someone like uh, Ryan Jack and how many sending offs he had. Some of them may be a bit unfair, but the point stands that if you're a player that plays in that position. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna pick up bookings. It's just, it's just gonna be part of your job. You may have to commit a professional foul, take one for the team. So, I think actually, eight bookings for, however many, if he's played thirty-eight league games, is seriously impressive. To be honest, when, when you consider the reputation, I think if you'd asked me, I would have said at least fifteen off the top of my head. So, um, I, I think I, there's not much to add to that. I think you touched on it, Stefan, that we could probably talk stats that were blue in the face, and we will with the other players and uh, in the subsequent podcasts that we do. But with Brown, it's it's that thing where like he does transcend transcend the numbers uh, to an extent in terms of he's such an influencer there probably isn't a player that is so important to his team individually mm. there's maybe a couple you can maybe say Boyd at Kilmarnock or even maybe like Lafferty at Hearts um, but in terms of Brown he is so important to that overall Celtic team yeah there's players don't be wrong there's, there's players on that side that could replace him but it's not even in terms of abilities that he's uh, irreplaceable or replaceable it's, it's, it's him as a leader it's him as an influencer it's a psychological lift he gives the team mm. and um, with, with him playing Celtic they, they just know that they're in the best possible position they're going to be to win and it's, he's, he's, he's always up for it he very rarely is a bad game I think the only time I've really seen him properly dominated I don't even see I wouldn't even say in the 4-0 Hearts game he played badly it was the game when they lost to Kilmarnock uh, Rugby Park where Malumbu outplayed him that's the only time I've really seen him in the league it played yeah and I think that's again a credit to Willie is that A when 
teams do somehow get a bit get the better of more if maybe he's injured he's, he's ill and uh, then Celtic don't play nearly as well as he can but I think on our aspect as well as they still haven't figured out a way to replace him because I think everyone thought Olivier and Cham was going to come in and replace him but I don't think Cham he's kind of proved to be a more attacking player um, and then outside of that you've maybe got like a near Beaton or someone who's not really as impressive and everyone's talking about McGinn, I don't think McGinn's anything like Scott Brown the way he is now. Um, he wouldn't. There's no way McGinn could come into that team and play that kind of more metronomed role. You mean eight years time when he slows down? Well, him? yeah, exactly. So I don't. I think again, you know, Celtic have got a squad full of outstanding talent. But if there's one player in that team who you couldn't probably replace, actually, over the see, I mean, I put it this way: if Scott Brown picked up a really nasty injury in January and was out for the second half of the season, I think Celtic would have had to basically completely changed the, the setup. Rogers would have had to figure out a different way to reshuffle that midfield because there was no one who could have fitted in there. If that happened to Dembele or uh, Boyata or Gordon or Scott Sinclair or whoever Even else. Forrest, you've got Forrest, there. Yeah, they yeah. would have had replacements. I think Brown's the one player on that team that they probably couldn't have done that with. Yeah, I, I think agree with that. Like one thing as well about Scott Brown that really comes to mind is just I think he really encapsulates the way that uh, Rodgers' team seem to always rise to the big occasions. Like, I mean, you wrote an article about Yogo Stefan talking about, I think it's before the cup final, saying Celtic will win because they always win. Yeah. And like, there's no player that really embodies that as much as Brown, where you know every big game he, he really relishes them, he lives for them, and he always seems to raise his game a notch or two for these big games. And that's one of the most sort of defining traits of Celtic team under Rodgers. Yeah, yes, he he's so symbolic of it, because I think it's that thing where in the past obviously Celtic now but in the past when it was both Rangers and Celtic they always had like maybe a, a, an off week in them mm. and yes Celtic have lost domestically but when it matters you just can't see them being on the end of an upset at no point I know we did a podcast on how Motherwell could win the cup final and they probably were the best opponents but I think we all also admitted that it would be a huge shock and nobody really thought for a minute that Celtic weren't going to win the treble this year and that I think because they're just they're so good at these big games and no one expects them to be in the, the victim of an upset that it does you kind of forget how big an achievement it is because they've kind of strolled to it to an extent um, anyway I think we should probably move on uh, sort the Scott Brown love in but I also think as well him stopping international football is only obviously good news for Celtic Shearer did it I know we're talking about England it's not what we do but Shearer or Schools did it and it helped their club careers they're the ones I can think of well, yeah, that's, a, that's an important point. I know I've just said they'd, they'd struggle replacing, but there's no real sign that he is in need of replacing at this point in time. So long may it continue, I guess. Uh, moving on, do we? I think we might have another one in common, actually. Um, that might be my fault since I've changed my mind kind of last minute. Um, I had like a, li- a list of players and I looked at all all the kind of traits and then I can change my mind last minute. I was going to go for Scott Allen. I, I was about to say Scott yeah. Allen as well, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at some of the players I'm going to leave out and I kind of feel bad already, but... Um, it was because you came to the podcast knowing you needed three players. I know. And you came with a list of about ten. I know. I kind of, I kind of wish we'd done a 4-4-2 now, but hey, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, Scott Allen, yeah, I mean, m- m- people, uh, people, it would be really easy for people to say, yeah, he had a great time at Hibs in the second half of the season, but also in that limited game time he had for Dundee, he was, I was going to say, arguably the best player, probably the best player, certainly the best creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely missed him after he went. Um, his creative stats, his passing stats are absolutely unreal. Uh, I kind of hope for his sake that he goes to Hibs next season, or if he doesn't, he gets a chance at Celtic, but I think the way it's looking, that he's, he probably wouldn't get a look in, unfortunately. He's just a very, very good player. In terms of 
not only assists and key passes, but he's there for build-up play as well. I mean, I, I think I did an article a while ago, and it was pretty remarkable what I found in terms of he'd be top when it came to like assists that he averaged on 90 minutes, but also secondary assists, which is like the pass that leads to an assist, or an establishing pass, which or like a third assist, if you like, which is the pass before the pass that yeah. leads to an assist. Passception. Yeah, exactly. Passception, <laughs> pass cube, whatever you want. Like uh, he was, he was, he was near the top for all of these. Yeah, so he was basically. He was also he was doing his work. Ugh, let me let me try and explain that. He was basically at the start of plays as much as he was at the end of them. Essentially, I'm going to use a Harry Potter reference. You know when Hermione gets the time turner. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> I do I... not, and I'm proud to say that. I, 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 hate, I hate Harry Potter. Oh right. Okay. Well, I was going to say for all the Harry Potter fans out there, I'm just going to stop. So essentially, he's <laughs> like probably this... a good crossover yeah, between yeah, our fans and Harry Potter know, fans. Uh, and then what football analytics and Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, Essentially, one character gets a time turner where she can go back and take more classes. What I'm saying is, he gets a time turner so he can actually start the play and end it. Fuck yous. Um, okay. Uh, no, but I mean, I'll let you speak in a minute, but I'm more about stats. But in terms of assists and uh, key passes and stuff like that, I'll let you maybe go into the nitty gritty, James, but uh, it, he's been pretty unreal. And it, it, I think as well, it was really easy to forget that, yeah, he played at Hibs before, but it also just didn't feel like he'd never been there, that he'd ever left. He kind of came back and he was. Also struggling with injury, that's why his game time was so low at Dundee. He probably would have actually had even better stats had he not been injured. So for him to just come into this very good Hibs midfield and a Hibs team that were performing at a good level and live up to and exceed the high expectations placed on him from when he was there before is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well that he's really hit the ground running at Hibs. Yeah, you know, he's obviously played for them before, but... It was under a different manager, you know, it was a different system because when he played there before it was under Stubbs and mm-hmm. then it was under Lennon, so it's, yeah, there's similarities of crossover there, but it's not necessarily the same, exact same system, but I would, I'd really like to see him go back to Easter Road next season, just because I was looking at sort of his career history, and I was doing a bit of research before we would start recording, and he's never played at the same club for two seasons, he's always been moving around, and it'd be great to see him just get settled somewhere and see like, who knows, he might get even better, we just mm-hmm. don't know, because like, mm-hmm. he's, he's not had two consecutive seasons at one club, mm-hmm. he's always been farmed out on loan or moving between one club or another. Lennon said that, I was at Lennon press conference some point after January, I think it was not long after they signed him, he's like, he's a player that needs a home, pretty yeah. much, and he was like, you don't play for Celtic um, if you're not ridiculously talented, he's like, so he just needs the actual chance to play, uh, and I think Lennon's well aware, and it's it wouldn't. It just wouldn't surprise me if he did go there, whether it's on loan again or permanently, because he, it seems to work for him. Uh, and Lennon obviously would have him back in a heartbeat, and the Hibs fans love him. And um, I, do, I mean, I think selfishly, I mean, I would love it. I would love him to get a chance uh, to play for Celtic and get a good run in the team. Um, I was actually going to say something kind of stupid there. I was like, because then it would maybe give him a better opportunity to get called up for Scotland but actually looking at where we're at right now and to McLeish's credit whether it was due to injuries or not these recent friendlies even before that he is he does seem to be giving players from teams out with Rangers and Celtic in Scotland a chance um, we'll get to like McGinn and McGee later I'm sure but there's nothing to say if he wants to go back to Hibs and perform well and do that for a full season and perhaps get better that he shouldn't be in and around the Scotland squad I think one an interesting feature which we may look at is in our what if series is if, if Scotland had actually moved if Scott Allen had actually moved to Rangers instead of Celtic and where he would be now. If you know, I know Rangers have been all over the Brentford. place. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> but it'd be interesting if he like he obviously I mean and then what I mean by that is if he, instead of going to Celtic he went to a club that played him week in, week out and how his development would have done because I think 
he's not on my list, but I'm a huge fan of his. And I think one of the most impressive things which you mentioned there is the fact that um, he did hit the ground running at both Dundee when he was fit and at Hibs. Uh, and he and he's just kind of slotted back in the Hibs team as if he never left really. Uh, he's a wee bit. He's obviously a couple of years older, and he's, in, that, in that sense, he's maybe lost a couple of years in his potential and stuff. But um, I think I think he's only going to get better next season if he can play full time football. Fingers crossed. I think it's what we all want to see. Uh, Stefan, we'll let you go next since uh, we kind of shared a pick there. Cool. Um, my one is probably a bit more left field, um, but I think you can kind of not literally. We're not doing left wingers yet. <laughs> no, I, was just, uh, I was just laughing like class at you, a bit more left field. I suppose so. Carlos Pena. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I'm actually going to go with Alan Campbell at Motherwell um, okay. because, again, I think we're, we're obviously basing these on stats, but I think a lot of it's also down to just kind of like your own inflection and how you've viewed the season and stuff. And um, I, I, I can't think of a midfielder in the Scottish Premiership that I'm as impre- as, in, as I'm as promising I think as Alan Campbell is at Motherwell. Um, the guy played like nine games for Motherwell last season. Um, obviously, Robinson's came in and, you know, we've seen this podcast a number of times. I'm a huge um, apologist for Motherwell and a huge fan of Robinson. And I think they get bad rep for the play, style of football they play. I think a lot of clubs are just bitter because you've got Motherwell literally elbowing in and, uh, you know, causing trouble. Um and I think Campbell's a perfect example that there's a lot of good coaching going on there because his, 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 his rise this season has been outstanding. And, you know, if you look at stats, he's great too. He's fourth when it comes, when you look at like central midfielders in the Premiership, he's fourth in the league for tackles he's, and he's sixth for in overall defensive duels. Um, I think McHugh uh, is better than him in terms of interceptions. And he's obviously learned a lot from playing alongside a more senior player like that. And, he just seems to thrive in that Motherwell team, um, and I, and I feel even though this is specifically a Scottish Premiership uh, eleven rather than a full SPFL one, um, I think there still should be some representative from Motherwell there because I think they've had a really impressive season. Um, I think they're a little unlucky not to finish in the top six. I'm honest with you, if they hadn't lost their key striker and that kind of breakdown after that run of Celtic games, then I think they would have been, um, and. Campbell right now is playing in the Toulon tournament I think I'm right saying James yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. a piece this week up on that I think I honestly think he's a Scotland international in the making I think the way that we're talking about McGinn and stuff right now we'll be talking about Campbell eventually where he might end up because I think he's I think he's an outstanding player and he seems to be really smart and knows how to read the game and in terms of defensive midfielders I think he's probably one of the best ones we've seen this season so that's why he'd be in my midfield trio Fair enough No it's exciting times I think as well it's it's one of those ones where a player just suits the system so well mm. so knows exactly what he's meant to do and obviously he, him and Robinson just are very very a very good team uh, and, and, and Scott Gemmell's paid attention to that as well like, so he's uh, the under 21's manager for Scotland and yeah he's been playing it too long tournament he's been doing well and even in other sort of under-21s games, I've, I've seen a couple of them, and he's generally been really quite impressive. And it's, he's held his own up against. I remember, I remember going to see them against Ukraine, mm. and you know he's up against Zinchenko from Manchester City, and he gave him a gave him a pretty good goal. But uh-huh. you know, so he's so, only nineteen, isn't he? Is that? Uh, I think he's twenty 21. now. I had a, I just think pulled up. He is nineteen. Nineteen. Wow. Oh, well, there you go. Actually, today's his birthday. Oh. No, actually, that's a lie. It's July 4th. So uh, <laughs> he's 20 next month. There you go. So, yeah. He's still a young player. He's got the whole world ahead that's of him. Many int- I didn't actually realise he was that young. I thought yeah. he was 21 as well. I've got to be completely honest. But 
It's exciting. I mean, I think that's the thing. What what we've got? Maybe we'll have that uh, another generation of really good cinema fielders at this rate. Uh, I think left field, but also I think I, you could you, you have argued about. I think it'd be hard to completely argue against it or put it down. Yeah, I mean, um, there's always going to be players we miss out in this, but I just oh think, I, God, think yeah. I think he deserved a. Uh, I thought he'd done great, and if I wanted to break it down in sections, it's like defensive midfielder, attack midfielder, blah blah. Definitely. blah. I think struggle finding is good at defence. Yeah, player. I think four three three is a hard, actually quite hard for midfield as well because yeah, try to fit three centimetres and getting a balance. There's, as there's well. a lot of good ones this season, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you just play like a, a two six whatever, like. All right, hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reverse Levine. Um, yeah, so I'll let you go next, James. Then final pick for mid your midfield trio. Uh, I'm going to go for Callum McGregor. Okay. Uh, he's also on my team. Right, so, okay. We'll share this that one. gives me some time to choose who my third is. Try and nail down your yeah, shortlist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think, you know, again, he's had another really impressive season. He's came on leaps and bounds under Rodgers. Uh, ever since really he was blooded by Ronnie Dyla following his loan from Knotts County, I think it was. Um, I've just been really impressed with him. Just think every time he's been asked to step up to like, like sort of grander stage or a higher level of performance, he's generally done it. And I kind of feel like he's been a bit hard done by like over the last couple of seasons, to be honest. For I think he probably deserves more recognition than he's been getting, because I think, you know, yeah, fair enough, like the last year or so maybe, yeah, he has been getting a bit more recognition, but mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of time it took him, for instance, to break into the Scotland squad was ridiculous. Um, he's got like, he's just, um, his, his passing's like really impressive as well. Um, he's got the sixth best pass accuracy in the in the league. Uh, his passes into the final third. He's got the second highest accuracy there. So he's good at splitting defenses open. He's a good dribbler of the ball. And something actually I came across earlier on, which I find a bit surprising, was that so um and over the, an average game he'll lose the ball four point four times, but then he also recover the ball four point eight times per ninety minutes. So he actually wins the ball back more than he loses it mm. which I think is interesting because you don't really think of him as that sort of player who's going to win you the ball back but uh, you know the numbers pan out and they say that actually he's going to win you the ball more than he's going to mm. lose it which is I think is quite interesting. One thing that really stood out for me actually as well I, I actually wrote a piece last week on why he should be the player that McLeish builds his new Scotland squad around uh, and the thing that really stood out for me was that he scored. So I think his main competitors in Scotland squad are Kearney and Armstrong, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote that he scored more goals than both of them combined this season. But what really stood out for me was that McGregor averages 1.95 shots a game for Celtic and Armstrong averages 3.28. So Armstrong is hitting way many, far more shots than McGregor, but McGregor's getting more goals. There are different types of players as well, though, if you want to get really nitty-gritty. I think Armstrong's a much better playmaker, and McGregor's actually a much better goal scorer. Um, yeah. And that seems to play out in terms of how he seems to have just become this almost like a big-game player for Scotland, actually. I mean, I, I, again, last week when I was doing this research, um, I found that of the 12 goals he scored this season, and I know this goes on beyond the Premiership, but I think it illustrates a wider point here, that of the 12 goals he scored, one came in the Scottish Cup final, Two came against Rangers, one came against Bayern Munich, one came against Zenit St. Petersburg, and another four came against teams in the top six. So only three of those 12 came against what you might say, quote-unquote, lesser sides. Armstrong, for example, his goals have come against uh, much lesser sides, for example. I mean, um, four of his six goals came... Uh, no, sorry, that's the wrong thing. In comparison, uh, Armstrong didn't score a single goal or assist in four Champions League appearances this season. 
and his only goal came in a cup game when Celtic won Kilmarnock 5-0 and that was in early in the season before Steve yeah. Clark came along and he's getting assists but they're coming against like Thistle, Ross County, Hamilton so I know Armstrong's not a great season it's not a great example of his maybe it was true form but I think McGregor has completely outplayed in this season not just in terms of actual across the board but he really seems to thrive in these big games and the one that again it's not in the Scottish Premiership but I think will be a really defining game for him and proves how good is that Bayern Munich match uh, so I remember I was at a game at Celtic Park this season and um, I couldn't believe the way he was just seemed, he just looked so at home against Bayern Munich players you know a lot of Celtic players when they play in the Champions League can look a little star studded especially Scottish ones but I thought he and Forrest as well actually both just looked right at home there at that level and particularly as well against Bayern Munich you think that these guys are the majority of those players are the current world champions for yeah. Germany you know they're not they're not diddies you know and he's really yeah yeah even best and I think as well the other thing that jumps out about yeah he's he's been scoring in these games but also the quality of goals he's been uh, scoring I mean there's been some absolute belters like the Scottish Cup goal final uh, no, Scottish Cup final goal was excellent uh, you know he's just he's really you know, been leathering them in as well, which is always quite exciting. They're not been tapping, so it's not necessarily been he's just getting on the end of it or scoring some set pieces. He's, you know, delivering moments of real quality in high pressure games, which is, I think, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think you say as well, I know maybe slightly off the point, but the fact Strachan did leave him out so much was really frustrating because, as you say, that's the kind of player Scotland are crying out for in terms of being able to deliver in the big games when other people are perhaps feeling the pressure. Uh, he does deliver, I'm sorry, I mean, that goal like, that goal in the uh, Scottish Cup final, that's in the Premier League. If that's in the FA Cup final, people are ranting and raving about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, don't wrong up, here we were. It was a fantastic goal, but he really does just step up. Uh, he's very reliable, um, particularly in the big games, as Stefan's saying. I don't have much to add. Uh, I think it's a perfect example, actually, of how you can rely on stats um, to an extent. And some of his stats are obviously still impressive, but I don't actually think it tells the, the whole story with Callum McGregor. Um, yeah, he's not like leading the way in anything no. particularly, but he's mm-hmm. just quite high up in a lot totally. of things. And, and, I, and I was really, really close to including him as well, um, I've got to be honest, as well as half the Premiership, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, he's one of the standouts in that Celtic team, which is no mean feat in itself, never mind the league. Uh, so, Who's yours then? Mine is uh, John McGinn. So I went th- I went between John McGinn and McGeeuk. Um I don't really know why I went for McGinn at the two because I, I think they're both really, really good players. Uh, McGinn, he's just a, such an actual powerhouse, which is why at this point, when you were saying he's nothing like Brown, he really isn't. He's like box-to-box. Uh, not that Brown's never been a box-to-box, but right now he's just not. He's a completely different player. He does a completely different role, a very, very important role and does it very well. But McGinn is just... Uh, He's in, in that kind of prime where he's, his fitness is just phenomenal. Uh, he's such a physical player. He's such a fit player. Um, and it's kind of shown through his stats in terms of his, his key passes. He's in the top 15 in the league for key passes. Um, but he's also there in the defensive duels in the top 10 in the league, which is particularly impressive. So he's got over 300 defensive duels in the league. And that is, I'm right in saying, I think, no other midfielder who's ahead of him. Everyone ahead of him is a defender. So for a player who's playing so many key passes, he's also uh, top in the league when it comes to through passes, uh, passes into the final third. He's starting attacks, but he's also being creative in attack. But at the same time, he is a player that is huge at winning the ball back or being that player that's a nuisance to opponents and not giving them a minute's piece. So I think it's just, uh, I, I think I was thinking more in terms of if I've got Brown there, I maybe don't need McGeek as much. Mm. I'm not saying they're exactly the same either, but Brown can play that metronome kind of style that McGeek mm. perhaps does, whereas McGinn... He's the legs. Yeah, and it maybe frees up um, Alan a bit more because mm. Alan's really good in that kind of pocket of space. Yeah, so he's yeah. a completely different player from McGinn as well. So you'd maybe have... 
with McGinn doing all of that, it would maybe leave the space for Alan to do what he does best, which is kind of key passes, being creative, perhaps chipping him with a goal. But the one thing I will say about McGinn is, and I know I probably shouldn't say this from my pick, and I, he said it himself, uh, particularly this season, and it's something. It's probably good that he's got something to work on, is that he needs to score more goals. Mm. Uh, he doesn't score enough goals for a player who is particularly impressive when he when he does score goals they're sh- like impressive shots they're not just going to tap so he's got the ability it's something he has to work on and I think he is uh, but yeah I think for me just in terms of the other two players I've picked I'd probably take him over McGeek but it was close because McGeek's bloody brilliant as well I think something that's like, really indicative of McGinn's sort of style of play is something that I came across earlier on which was that he's far and away the most fouled player in the Premiership this season which I think tells you two things. First off, it tells you just yeah how important he is to Hibs and that if you stop, you know, people are obviously trying to stop him because they think that's the best way to stop Hibs. And also, secondly, again, it talks about his work. It again emphasises his work rate. But you know, like he's always going to be. He's getting himself in positions where he can be found because yeah. he just refuses to stop. And he's yeah, sort of a Duracell bunny. He just doesn't. He just keeps going. He's great. That's um, a really good point. Am I right? Said Hibs are the most filled team in the league. I'm pretty sure. I, I believe think, so. I think yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's a really good point. They can have that stat to hand. So. Maybe that's kind of justified my decision slightly, but no. I think I think the only thing that kept him at my team was just Cal McGregor. To be honest with you, I think yeah, it's, it's mean that yeah, the two very similar players, yeah. and you know, I think McGregor's slightly, which is fine because McGregor's a wee bit older than him anyway. But obviously, McGinn he's had a breakthrough season as Hibs have in the Premiership, and he's now knocking on the door for the Scotland team. I think he'll get in there, um, and people seem to be convinced that he's going to be going to Celtic to replace Scott Brown. We've already said I'm not sure that really works, but I could still see him going to Celtic. I'm not sure where, if, maybe if Stuart Armstrong moves on or something like that, but either way, I'd actually, I'd actually like to see him stay at Hibs for another season. I think he's doing really well. His, his, his development seems to be working as well, but um, he's obviously going to go on to bigger, better things eventually, and sure. this season I think showcased what he can do, and I can't really argue with that, to be honest. Before we finish, and we won't go into too much detail since we are really, like kind of running low on time, are there any honourable honourable mentions? Sorry, can't speak. Um, in that midfield trio that you were thinking about having, or do you think deserve a mention but just didn't make the top three? Yeah, I'll name. I'll give a few actually. Uh, I think Gary Dicker at Kamarnik has had a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been as defensive and resolute and smart actually in that midfield as anyone at Kamarnik. I think. Malumbu obviously gets the headlines, but I think Dicker's been great. Kenny McLean almost made it into mine, but his form before January wasn't nearly as good as it was after, and it just kind of highlights, you know, he's had basically a good half season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is quite impressive, given that that's the half that he knew he wasn't going to be there next season. Uh, yeah. Obviously, maybe he's just to you know, try to earn a spot in his new team. But <laughs> I think, I wonder, if it, I, I wonder if the pressure's off him and he just started playing better. Actually, yeah, he's got the move, so yeah, fair enough. Um, another one would be, yeah, you've already mentioned it, Dylan McGeek, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, mine, I've got a wee list here, Malumbu had been mine. Uh, if I'd put him in, it really would have been not going off stats at all. It'd probably been going off how well he did against Rangers and Celtic, and when he turned it on, he was really good. So I don't know if he did it maybe consistently enough to be included in the team, but when he was good, oh my God, he was great. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't play enough for me, unfortunately. That, he was injured towards the end of the yeah. season as well, wasn't he? So he's definitely an honourable mention. I think Rogic, again, maybe frustrating in games that aren't as important, but if you want someone that can score against Rangers as a Celtic fan, then he's your man. Um, and he, he is just a quality player. Uh, for them to sign him down to a new contract, I did think he was going to leave, so for him to sign on, that's a massive coup for them. And then my other two were McGregor and Cham, who I think, again, uh, you, I think easily you could easily make an argument to have 
an all Celtic three man midfield, you mm. could. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, but also you could probably say it's the same for Hibbs as well to an extent. I mean, maybe, maybe two because Brown's got to be there. But Celtic midfield, let's make no bones about it. We're not even talked about Stuart Armstrong. I've been pretty awesome this season. Uh, I've been probably stolen everybody in list of somebody. Yeah, else. I don't know if there's anyone left to be yeah. honest, but I think just you could basically pick pretty much any three players from the Celtic or Hibs midfield yeah. any sort of combination it's difficult well, to argue against it McGeeuk I said McGeeuk did you say McGeeuk yeah. sorry I, I have a kind of controversial one uh, I actually think if he hadn't been sent off so much I think probably Jack would have had a really good season yeah. <laughs> as odd as that might sound and injuries as well but like yeah, I think good. he's kind of yeah. he's, he's kind of struck me as this player who's kind of not quietly at all actually but like he's Kinda of done a relatively good job at Rangers considering him with the random. I think is I think I wrote something earlier in the season being a bit harsh on him and then I don't know. I I think there's a chance he will come back and perform well, but I also don't know if there's this kind of rose tinted spectacles that the other midfielders were so poor mm. that they're missing him. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But the more, the more I think of it, Ryan Jack, the more I think of him as sort of like a Scottish John Joe Shelby, and that like you know he's just a bit erratic. Like sometimes he's great, sometimes he's terrible, but like. Yeah. He's always interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad, bad comparison at all, to be honest. I think Graeme um, Shinney deserves a shout as well. Yeah, yeah that's fair, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that we've missed out on. Uh, no. Greg Doherty was having a really good season before he moved to Rangers. Um, and he's done he's done fine there, but I don't think he's convinced Rangers fans yet that he's also you know. And Liam Craig and Johnson's always get quite good starts, but I don't know if that's to do with like lacking like game time. I don't really know. Um, anyway, we'll call it there. So, the usual shout outs at the end of each podcast episode. You guys at home who are listening could probably do it for me at this stage. But uh, head over to the 2.1.com. You can find out all you need to know about subscription plans over there. Uh, you can also sign up to our daily newsletter. Uh, essentially, that's like our morning TLDR news bulletins, but it'll have all the news added in that's uh, taking place throughout the day uh, with regards to Scottish football. Uh, in terms of importance we'll do it from most important down to the absolute gibberish at the bottom uh, we'll also have uh, sorry we also have social media channels galore you can follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook all at the 2.1 yes Stefan yeah I've also got a bit of an announcement uh, I sent uh, this month's newsletter to all the subscribers and in it it has a special code for any subscriber who wants to get a friend to sign up uh, within the email there's a coupon code that they can use to get their friends to get a 50% discount on any new subscriptions and every friend that they do the first friend that they get to sign up to the website they get 10% of their subscription then 5% for any further one right. um, however the reason I mention that is because I've had a lot of subscribers tell me that whenever I email them it goes straight into their junk drawer they claim it's by default but you know so if you haven't had an email for me and you're a subscriber from the 2.1 check your junk email box because it'll be in there and it could save you some cash there we go Shout out. in terms of stuff on the website this week we've got uh, your piece James on the young players who impressed or who are impressing at the Toulon tournament uh, we've also got Andrew Southwick did a piece on uh, Derek McInnes and what should be expected of him next season given that he finished second again uh, we'll have plenty more if you just keep your eyes on the website uh, and then next week we'll have the final part of uh, the three parts of using this podcast where we'll choose our attackers uh, and with that in mind if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a review or rate the podcast that would be great but apart from that uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the 2.1 cast <laughs>